Praise the Lord. I do want to pray one more time. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come and learn from your word. And we pray that as I speak that you will guide my words and that you will open our hearts to hear what it is you want us to hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. This coming week is Thanksgiving, Turkey Day. When we picture the holiday, we generally see overeating, football, as the two greatest pastimes. I guess I should also mention that parade in New York, Macy's. In the last few years, we've seen a disturbing trend, though. Now the stores are open on Thanksgiving, encouraging us to rush in and fight over those deep discounts just one day earlier. What happened to those rich traditions of this holiday? The name on this holiday is Thanksgiving. Shouldn't we be giving thanks? Something that happened just recently, and I don't have this in my notes, but I wanted to mention it. Um, there were three college basketball students that were facing 10 years in a Chinese prison And if it wasn't for the intervention of our president, that's where they would be for the next 10 years. And he had to tweet out, well, are you guys going to say thank you? And there was a very gruff thanks at the end of that. Well, I guess, thank you. See, we've become this nation that is truly characterized by ingratitude. That seems to be the culture nowadays. We don't think in terms of please and thank you anymore. At least most people, Christians still do. At least hopefully most Christians do. Anyway, I wanted to look at one of Jesus' miracles today, and I wanted to see some of the things we can be thankful for that he shows us in this miracle. It's actually the feeding of the 5,000, and I know most people think, oh, you know, food and bread and all sorts of things and the miraculous works of God. But I wanted us to look deeper into the message, into him, and what he expresses here by who he is, by his shepherd's heart, by his loving compassion. There is an awful lot for us today 
to be thankful for as we look at this. And I wanted to read Mark 6, 34 through 44. That's the one. We're going to look at actually all four versions, different pieces of them as we look through it. But I wanted to read this one as a primary passage. Starting at verse 34, it says, When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When it was already quite late, his disciples came to him and said, This place is desolate, and it is already quite late. Send them away so that they may go to the surrounding countryside and the villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and spend 200 denarii on bread and give them something to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go look. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. And he commanded them all to sit down by groups on the grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And he took the loaves of bread and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed the food, broke the loaves, and he kept giving them to the disciples to set before them. And he divided up the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. They picked up twelve baskets of broken pieces, and also of the fish. There were 5,000 men who ate the loaves. That's a pretty impressive miracle when we look at it. And we're going to unpack it as we go along. But in verse 34, we actually see the first thing that we can truly be thankful for. In verse 34, it says that he had compassion on them and saw them as sheep without a shepherd. So we can be thankful that Jesus came as a compassionate, loving Savior or shepherd. Notice how Mark describes his compassion. He sees the crowd as sheep without a shepherd. Just this week I was reading a passage in Ezekiel which gives a stark description. Dick read this passage too, I'm sure. We've been reading it together. Amen. And here in, in chapter 34, God calls on Ezekiel to prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. And that was primarily because they weren't acting like shepherds. But here's, here's how he describes this situation that his lost sheep were in. 
In Ezekiel 34, verses 1 to 6, he says this, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds have fed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly, you have not strengthened. The diseased, you have not healed. The broken, you have not bound up. The scattered, you have not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost. But with force and with severity, you have dominated them. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd. And they became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. My flock wandered through all the mountains and on every hill. My flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth. And there was no one to search for them or to seek them. So what we see here is they were sickly. They were diseased. They were starving. They were broken. They were lost. They were enslaved. And they were food for every beast of the field. They were prey, as he says in another passage in this section. It was no accident that Jesus came to be standing that field watching the crowd approach, seeing them as sheep without a shepherd. He actually came to fulfill a promise he had made. As a matter of fact, further down in Ezekiel, verses 11 and 12, in the same chapter, we read this. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. And as a shepherd cares for his herd, in the day when he is among his scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep. And I will deliver them out of all of the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. So we see Jesus standing there as this shepherd, fulfilling the promise he made in Ezekiel. He made that promise and he kept it. In the opening of Mark's description of this miracle, we see Jesus' shepherd's heart. So he can be thankful that as a shepherd he came with great loving compassion to gather his sheep to himself. The next thing we see in this passage is Jesus came to meet our every need. The obvious part of the story is that Jesus performed the miracle of feeding 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. So it was about 15,000 people. 
But as we examine this event, we see Jesus didn't just provide bread for the day. As a matter of fact, this miracle came at the end of a very long day. Remember they said, it is late, send them out. So what happened during the rest of the day? Matthew tells us that Jesus healed their sick. Here in Mark we see he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things. In Luke 9:11 we read this. But the crowds were aware of this and followed him. And welcoming them, he began speaking to them about the kingdom of God and curing those who had a need of healing. So he was healing them and preaching the gospel to them all day long. Going from person to person, group to group, teaching, showing compassion, healing, and providing for their needs of the day. But more so, he was telling them about the kingdom of God. That's eternal life. That's eternity he's talking about here. He is trying to meet, or he is meeting not just their physical needs, but their eternal needs. That's the way he is with us today. All the while, he is meeting our everyday earthly needs. He is also guiding us on the path that leads to an eternity with him. His goal for us is an eternal goal. He wants us to understand that our needs are not just for the day. So we can be thankful that Jesus came as a compassionate, loving shepherd seeking his sheep. And we can be thankful that Jesus meets all of our needs. And his plan for us is an eternal destination in his kingdom. The next thing we see about this day is that when the day was late, the disciples came to Jesus and told him, the crowd should be sent away to find food for themselves. This is how Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell us how it happened in their Gospels. I just want to say that they tell the story in a way that does not flatter themselves here. In a way, they did have concern for this great crowd of people. But in light of their lack of resources, the disciples were willing to abandon the crowd to fend for themselves. That is not a shepherd's heart. And that is what the disciples told Jesus. Mark 6.36 says, They told Jesus to send them away so that they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. On the other hand, John tells us what Jesus wanted to teach us in this situation. 
John 6, 5 through 7 says this. Therefore, Jesus lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? This he was saying to test them, or to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. Notice the first thing Jesus asked Philip. He said, where do we buy the bread so that these may eat? Right in this question, we see Jesus challenging the disciples to stop thinking about abandoning the crowd to their resources. He's turning the tables on them. They're saying, Jesus, we've got to send them out so they can find food. And he's saying, you're going to provide the food. In other words, he was challenging the disciples to think differently. He wanted them to experience the compassionate, loving shepherd's heart from the perspective of the shepherd. This challenge is in keeping with the new commandment Jesus gives his disciples in John 13, 34. And it says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another even as I loved you, that you also love one another. So what is this challenge Jesus gave to his disciples and by extension to us? He wants us to look outside of ourselves and to have his heart when we see the sinner's plight. Paul gave this very same challenge in Ephesians 4, verses 21 to 24. He says this, If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted according to the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. This is a very difficult challenge. So what's there to be thankful for in that? As a matter of fact, I will say that this is more than a difficult challenge. This is an impossible challenge. But one thing we can't escape in all of Paul's writings, he salts them here and there with expressions of great 
joy at being called to serve Christ. Being called to suffer for Christ. So there must be something to be thankful for. And the truth of the matter is, is that in seeking to be like Christ, there is great joy. So we can be thankful that Jesus came as a compassionate, loving shepherd, seeking his sheep. We can be thankful that Jesus meets our needs and his plan for us is an eternal destination. We can be thankful that Jesus challenges us to be like him. And as I said before, this is a difficult challenge and one could say impossible. There is no one who could say that, well, there it, yeah. It is an impossible challenge. And if you see, Philip's response shows that they understood the impossibility of this challenge that Jesus was issuing to them. Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them to even receive a little. I looked up denarii, which is plural for for denarius. A denarius back then was one day's wages. 200 denarii. That's 200 days wages. That's a little over two-thirds of a year's wages. And he's saying that that is not even enough for everyone to have just a little bit of a taste. So he's saying, we need a huge amount of money and even that wouldn't be enough to really provide for their needs. I can just imagine the exasperation in his voice as he's saying that to the Lord. And I'm almost certain, because the other ones say, you know, that they said this, I'm almost certain that every one of them was muttering, uh, the other disciples was muttering (laughs) under their breath, you tell him, Philip. (laughs) They were all looking at the impossibility of this challenge. They were all seeing how in the world, if you think about the logistics, these 12 disciples here, Jesus says, you go feed them. And they're thinking, okay, um, first of all, we need a huge amount of money. Then all 12 of us have got to go around to all the villages and find the food and all these different places. It's going to take us a week to get all this food together. Then how are we supposed to carry it all back? This is an impossible task. And that's what they're looking at. The impossibility of the challenge. How did Jesus respond? We see that in Mark 6.38. He said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go, look, 
And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. So he tells them, go out and look, find something. Find what you can find. What they do? They found a little boy who had five loaves of bread and two fish. I can't, couldn't tell you how many times I've come to an end of myself, and I'm sure each one of you can say this, and said, Lord, what is it you want from me? But patiently, he doesn't yell at us. He doesn't get impatient. Instead, he says, well, what do you have? And that's what he was saying to these disciples here. What do you have? Not what is the impossibility of the task. So the disciples, they find this five loaves and two fish, and they bring it back and they tell them, here, this is what we have. Well, if 200 denarii worth of food is not going to feed this crowd, how in the world is five loaves and two fish? A little boy's lunch. This sort of reminds me of Gideon. Remember Gideon? He was called to go into battle. And he starts out with 32,000 troops. And God whittles it down to 300. And tells Gideon, okay, take these 300 and go into battle. And he did, and he won. In verses 39 to 41, we read this. After they tell him about the five loaves and two fish, he command them to sit down by groups on the green grass and they sat in groups of hundreds and fifties, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking toward heaven, he blessed the food, and he broke the loaves, and he kept giving them to the disciples to set before them. And he divided up the two fish among them all. Picture this. The disciples tell the crowds to go sit down in small groups, and Jesus stands before them with this little kid's lunch. Just a little thing. I'm sure there were some sitting in the back of the crowd saying, yeah, right. They're going to run out of food before they reach the end of the first group. Then he keeps breaking the bread and the fish into the first disciples' basket. And he keeps breaking it until that basket's full. And he sends that disciple off. And he goes on to the next disciple. And he keeps breaking bread into the next disciple's basket. And he sends that off. I can just imagine their eyes getting as big as saucers as he keeps filling these baskets. And then he does it 12 times. And by then they're all out there with baskets of bread and those baskets get emptied and they come back and he starts the process all over again. And they go out again. 
And they come back with empty baskets. And he breaks bread into the baskets again. This was a marathon miracle. This didn't just happen over a short period of time. Remember, there were approximately 15,000 people in the crowd. And if one loaf of bread would feed three people, let's just give that as an estimate, then the basket loads of bread would have had to have been the equivalent of 5,000 loaves of bread, not counting fish. And I looked it up on the internet and someone said that 5,000 loaves of bread would fill the equivalent of a little over one tractor trailer load. You know, the kind of trailer you see with the sign stuff mark painted on the side? That's a lot of bread. That's a lot of carrying. And all the time the crowd was watching. And they know that it's just this tiny little lunch. And yet it keeps going and it keeps going and it keeps going. So what can we learn from this? What did Jesus ask of the disciples? What do you have? They brought five loaves and two fish. Did he take three loaves and one fish? No, he took it all. He's wanting us to learn something here. If we give him our all, he will make it grow to meet the impossible need. So we can be thankful that Jesus came as a compassionate, loving Savior seeking his sheep. We can be thankful that he meets our needs and his plan for us is an eternal destination. We can be thankful that Jesus challenges us to be like him. And we can be thankful that when we give him our all, he will work a miracle of transforming us from within to make us like him. Because that is his goal for us. We give him our all and he will make us to be like Christ. In verses 42 to 44, we read this. They all ate and were satisfied, and they picked up the twelve full baskets of the broken pieces and also of the fish. There were five thousand men who ate of the loaves. They were all satisfied, and guess what? There were twelve baskets full. In other words, he kept breaking bread into those baskets until everyone was satisfied and there was still bread left over. I can't express what we can be thankful here any better than Paul did in Ephesians 3. I wanted to read this. I'm reading it out of the Philip's New Testament. It's Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, and it says this. When I think of the greatness of this great plan 
I fall on my knees before God the Father, from whom all fatherhood, earthly or heavenly, derives its name. And I pray that out of the glorious riches of his resources, he will enable you to know the strength of the Spirit's inner reinforcement, that Christ may actually live in your hearts by faith. I pray that you will firmly fixed in love yourselves may be able to grasp with all Christians how wide and deep and long and high is the love of Christ and to know yourselves that the love so far beyond our comprehension may you be filled through all of your being with God himself. Now to him who by his power within us is able to do far more than we ever dare to ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church through Jesus Christ our Lord. And ever, amen. Forever and ever, amen. What we see here is that he is able to do, as it says in the King James, exceedingly abundantly above. And that's what he wants for us. He doesn't just give us the power to just barely get through. He gives us the power to be more than conquerors. And that is something to truly be thankful for. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this power that you have given to each and every one of us that we can be more than conquerors in Christ. And we pray that you'll work in our hearts and give us this real assurance that every step we take, we can take following your path because you have guided us and you have given us the power to take the steps. In Jesus' name, amen.